Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, the Braves have given you a championship. A 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Time for your weekly installment of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Sports Drink and some very new friends. I'm sure you guys think you know who we're going to be talking about, but that ain't it at all. Today's episode is brought to you by Take Line Sports Culture Hot Takes. Take Line has it all. It's a weekly podcast hosted by Emmy winner Jason Concepcion and former WNBA champ Renee Montgomery. It's a fast-paced exploration of the NBA and the world of sports and culture in general. Each week, Jason and Renee will be talking about games, players, controversies, and issues both on and off the court. If that is your cup of tea, if you like pop culture, if you like listening to whatever is going on in today's world, you are not going to want to miss an episode. Follow now to hear Take Line every Tuesday on whatever platform you choose to get your podcasts. Today's episode is also brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Some of you guys know because you've been joining in there with me every Thursday. I swear we're going to make Doc do one of these once in a while. It's free to download and to use. And even more importantly, now it's on Android as well. No longer just for Apple. It's not elitist or snobby anymore. Now everybody can join and come on in. And we just have a big old powwow session, I'm here to tell you. Every once in a while, you'll see Rakes on there. Uh, by the way, make sure you go listening to Chatting Averages. Uh, you guys might be about to find out some cool stuff about them. You can talk to me. Maybe you'll be able to talk to Doc if he graces us with his presence. Other fans, other athletes, insiders in real time. It's all free. That's uh, perfect for watch parties. One of these days, I'm going to do one for a game. I'm just going to do play-by-play of a game while I'm doing a locker room. It's something I'm toying around with. I've just been too lazy. Uh, but you can do post-game breakdowns, any reacting to breaking news. Maybe you just want to talk to some other baseball fans, or maybe you want to talk a lot of trash to some other baseball fans around the world. You can join MLB rooms on Locker Room or whatever sport, really, and follow along and listen wherever. Just go to the Locker Room uh, app in your App Store, uh, Apple Play, Google Podcast, or whatever. Whatever your iOS system uses, go to your App Store for that, and you can be right in there, and you can be part of your favorite shows and join a really big sports culture. All right. Very long-winded, but I'm a long-winded guy. 
as you guys can probably tell. Doc, I know you know it because we talk about this all the time. And I feel like whenever I start a show talking a lot, it's generally because good things are happening. This is uh, pretty much unequivocally the best week of Braves baseball we've seen since uh, since last year in the playoffs. Uh, starting pitching drove the bus all week long, won five out of six. Not, not just five out of six, but won five out of six from division rivals. Swept the Nationals, which is heartbreaking for them, and then delivered just a gut punch of a loss to Philadelphia on Saturday, and then piled on their ace on Sunday. I mean, everywhere you turn, everything seems to be just kind of the past couple days have been very, very positive for the Braves, and that's magnified because over the past, the first month of the season has been nothing but injuries and underperformance. So it's been really, really nice to be happy at the end of the night instead of just, you know, muttering uh, cuss words about the team under my breath as I go to bed. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was very nervous because after they did a great job in that national series and, and we were thinking, all right, here come the Braves. They're about to make that big push. And then how do they reward us by getting stomped out by Philly uh, on what was one of the worst days for Braves baseball in a very long time, or at least since the Madison Bumgarner no-no. Um, luckily, they've turned it around. And I we're going to talk about that extra innings thriller of a win because I think that, that I certainly think that that's a game that if the Braves go on a torrid run like we think they can uh, and kind of like how they've shown – we're going to point back at that game and we're going to ask, is that the turning point of the season? Well, it kind of needed to be because game one of that series where Charlie Morton just got obliterated in the first inning. Um, there's a lot of people with some questions on Charlie. I, I'm i not quite there yet. I don't know where you are, but it's certainly to the point where you're starting to be like, all right, let, let's, let's see Charlie Morton again here soon. And I know the umpiring wasn't good in that game, but more importantly, the Braves were able to come back from that and take two out of three and to win yet another series as the revenge tour continues as we're about to take on the Blue Jays again with some kind of re-kajiggering of the, um, of the rotation so that Drew Smiley doesn't have to face the bomb squad that is Toronto. Uh, but overall, the Braves have won five out of the last six, like you said. Now we're back at 500, looking to really make our move in the division. You and I have been pretty steadfast that this Braves team is just far too good to continue being this bad. And it's been nerve-wracking. It's made us bite our fingers a little bit, but looks like we might be maybe about to take a breath. Like, all right, here comes the team. Yeah, and... Uh... You still haven't seen the machine cranked up throughout the lineup. You know, when Acuna was carrying everything, nobody else was hitting. And then Riley started hitting, and then Acuna cooled off a little bit because he had the thing with the abdomen. And now Freddie, last night, he went 3-for-3 th uh, three three with a home run. He's got he's homered in two straight games. Dansby has been playing really well for like 13 games. Um, William Contreras stepped in and has out-hit Travis Darno. Um, and he's probably been just as good, if not better, behind the plate. I mean, you, you're – it's there, – there have been some moments. Look, clearly this is a guy who has played seven games in the big league – or nine, if you if whatever, if you count his time last year. I mean, there, there have been some some bonehead mistakes, but, I mean, he, he's a prospect. Darno's been around for ten years, right. so grain of salt with all of it. But, you know, as from the – bat perspective you know you you're nervous when you look at Darno going down and but he wasn't really hitting and then Contreras steps in and you know he's already he hit that monster home run to straightaway center field played a giant part in Saturday night's comeback win against Philadelphia you know it's been you're seeing these little pop-ups it's like whack-a-mole right and and 
other teams are trying as hard as they can to whack the mole back down, but eventually when you start getting three or four or five, six of them popping their head up at the same time, it's going to be really tricky. And other teams have been lucky because the Braves pitching has been abysmal, you know, both starting rotation and bullpen, but got freed back last week. He looked in the first, I don't know, his first 10 pitches, he looked rusty. And then after that, he really buckled down. He looked kind of like 2019, 2020 max. And that was one of the biggest things for, for the uh, the rest of the rotation that, like, you know, you're like a bus without a driver, kind of. And everybody knows that Soroka had his setbacks and, and Freed was out. And then you had some struggles in there as well. And now he's back and Soroka might be coming. Inoa has come out of nowhere. God knows we have praised him as much as we possibly could. And now with the bullpen, who some good performers, some bad, Nate Jones officially got his release today, and that has the Platinum Sombrero seal of approval. Not a moment too soon. God, and Carl Edwards Jr., uh, he got DFA'd and then elected free agency for the second time in like six weeks. So he's gone. So some of the, and this happens every year, where you start to see the the guys that are dragging down all of the, the numbers uh, for the bullpen. They, they make it through about early May and say, look, we gave you plenty of chances. Uh, no offense, but you suck. Have fun in Seattle. <laughs> Or wherever. I hear Phillies you know? looking for bullpen help. Right. Trust me, we would love it if you signed with the Phillies because you are terrible. Yeah, so please go and, to one of our division rivals. I beg you. And now you've got Braves just re-signed Shane Green. It's looking like Chris Martin is coming back this week. Only about five weeks after we all predicted. Like three, four weeks ago talking about, all right, Alex is definitely about to re-sign Shane Green. Oh, any day now. He's going to re-sign Shane Green. I, su- I swear he doesn't <laughs> do it just because he knows everybody is talking about it. I swear he just waited until people kind of cooled off on it just a little bit, and then he's like, all right, now we'll re-sign you. I, I swear he does that on purpose. Were you surprised by the fact that he only got $1.5 million? Uh, Very much so. Even pro-rated. That's still not, not a lot of money. Uh, kind of surprising that nobody else was willing to give that. Um, I, I, maybe he was, maybe he was holding out for a multi-year offer. Maybe that was the holdup, not the, maybe not, maybe it wasn't the money. Maybe it was the years. I don't know. All I know is, uh, at this point, I'm very happy for it. I'm kind of upset that Hasil De La Cruz did not get into a game again while he was up here. I do think that that's a little bit of an oversight on Snickers part. I understand Saturday was a really tight game, uh, but there's kind of no reason for him not to get some, some use yesterday. Um, I think I think Hasil, and we'll talk about him a little bit once we get into the minor sec, uh, segment in the back half of this show. I think that that's another guy to circle for a righty in the pen. Tukey, when he comes back, will be another one because uh, I think I don't think that people should expect Shane Green to be incredible. I think that uh, Green is it's pretty Green was worse than Melanson, and we talked about that when they made the trade for Shane Green. Um, but there's no doubt that versus what we've had righties in the pen this year. Having Shane Green's going to be like having a lockdown reliever, comparatively speaking. Um, but overall, I like what you're talking about with the offense. Freddie does look like he's kind of heating up. And uh, Petriello had the great timing last night to talk about Freddie's underlying numbers right before he went bomb job um, on Mother's Day, of course. Because if there's anything that you can count on, Freddie's going to hit a homer on Mother's Day. Uh, it happens seemingly every year. Uh, this year, no different. Um, you're talking about some others. Now, you brought up Dansby. Um, I'm obviously going... I'm. I'm fully on the train of I don't want Dansby as my starting shortstop. I'm glad he performed well. Um, I don't trust him to continue performing well, but if he can be, in my eyes, 
the weakest link of the lineup, not talking about Christian Pache, who we will talk about here in just a second, then whatever, fine. Orlando Garcia, we will talk about in the uh, in the second segment. But we should also talk about this Braves bench a little bit because you and I and everybody in Braves country have lamented for years about how putrid the Braves bench has been and that they can never weather any of these injuries because they have horrible production from the bench. This year, just between Ere Adrianza and Pablo Sandoval, the Braves bench has been absolutely incredible and completely clutch. In that game on Saturday, Ere came in uh, in the seventh inning, I believe it was, pinch hitting, and promptly went got on base four times along with the game-winning hit. Pablo Sandoval down to the final strike and launches yet another pinch hit home run. That's four pinch hit bombs for him on the season. The Braves bench this year are really those two players on the Braves bench. You can't really state enough about how important they've been to at least just hold serve to get to this point. Well, and it was really interesting a little bit earlier in the season. This was when Acuna was the was the only position player that was really hitting. Uh, you would see Ozuna had a negative point three F war and Ozzy was still negative and Pache was still negative and all and everybody else was hovering right around zero that's in the starting lineup. And then you've got uh second on the team, you've got Adrianza, and then you've got Sandoval and then Heredia who hadn't been who hadn't been playing regularly. And then you've got like Freed and Anoa and everybody in there too. And then skip like nine uh, nine spots, and that's when you get to the position players, which is, that whole thing is a statement on how bad the offense was and how good Adrianza and Sandoval have been. And, you know, you can kind of look at the makeup of the team now, and you can kind of look at it like Pablo Sandoval is this year's Nick Marcakis, he's this year's Tyler Flowers, he's like the leader, you know, he's like your grizzled veteran who's going to be able to you know, set the example, but still have a good time. Only he's being used the way those players should have been. Come off the bench in a big spot for me. That's like if that had been Marcakis's role, nobody would have had a problem with it. Um, right, and 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 it was rare that he, that he was that he was not starting. So you know, you never got to see. I bet that Marcakis would be pinch hitter extraordinaire. I bet the problem would have been fantastic because he would have made a ton yeah, of contact. Yeah, the issue with that becomes if Snit has Marcakis and he's he's just going to want to play him all the time. Exactly. So which is the Nate Jones debacle. Right, exactly. And and Marcakis is a fine player, but at this point in, of his career, he is. Uh, which is actually concluded, uh, he certainly would not be an everyday player. And I hope he's enjoying his retirement. Let me just say that I hope Mark Akers is having a grand old time, made a ton of money, had a very, very good career. Uh, I'm also glad that the Braves are able to move on. Speaking of Pache, uh, I do feel that it is my civic duty uh, to say the obvious of, yes, Christian probably should be sent down. Uh, The at-bats right now are, he's in a very, very bad funk yet again. Um, he, he just looks like he's not able to pick up breaking balls right now. And he's not, the Braves aren't doing him any favors by hitting him eighth because you're not going to see good pitches when you're batting in front of the pitcher, but he, he has to figure out how to pick up types of pitches. He's good at, at location. Like he, he's got a good eye for the strike zone. He does not have good pitch recognition skills, and it's slowing his bat down immensely. You're starting to see uh, that when he does get a fastball, he's late on the mall and, fu- and fouling him off completely. Um, was it uh, Saturday night? He actually had three right down the middle, about 93 to 94, fouled all three of them off straight back behind him. Uh, and that's that's a key proponent of he didn't recognize fastball quick enough. He was expecting a breaking ball because he's been getting a steady diet of those. He needs to go down and, and get some, some at-bats for a decent amount of time. I think the Braves were kind of stuck and had to bring him back up when they did because Ender got hurt and then Heredia got hurt. 
Ender is playing well in Gwinnett right now. Heredia should be back here pretty much in the next few days before he starts his rehab assignment, so he'll be back up and ready to go here soon. Uh, but for Christian, I still have all the faith in the world in Christian. He's still, in my mind, the best Braves prospect in the system by a wide margin. I still think he's going to be an exceptional baseball player, um, but he does he does need some some time to work on that pitch recognition for sure. You have to at this point. And, and we were screaming Team Pache. You know, we, we have been on his side for the longest time. And, and long-term... I Nothing still am. Has changed. I still am. Yeah, and he just he just doesn't have it right now. And and also, okay, we were talking about Darno and Contreras. You you're worried when Darno goes down because he's got the he's got a little bit of more of a track record, you know. And Contreras steps in and he does a really really good job. Well, in a strange twist, I was really upset when Guillermo Heredia went on the IL because I'm like, this guy's already performing out of his mind. And, you know, you're putting a lot of stock in Pache to come up and do some things that he hasn't proven at the big league level that he can do. Um, and, you know, the defense is just as advertised. And, and I'm about to make a, make a point that has been made many times. If the rest of the lineup was performing, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be magnified. Yeah, it wouldn't be magnified quite as much. But, like, his WRC plus is, like, negative three. Yeah, he's, That's, he's the worst hitter in baseball right now. He's for sure the worst starting hitter in baseball. Uh, and I don't think that's gonna. I don't think that that's going to continue. I, I keep saying it. I really do think it's pitch recognition. I mean, he's shown that when he does make contact. I think a lot, now he has had some bad luck where it seems like he starts making consistent contact and then he'll start hitting the ball decent, but he hits it right at somebody and he goes right back to Kang right after that. It's just. It, it just seems to me that that's that's what needs to happen. Um, the Braves will figure that out in short order. They'll get Heredia back, uh, and they'll 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 get things back going. Heredia will be back. Ender will be back. Ender actually looked—he looked okay when he was here. And not to mention, he's going to take precedence because they're already paying him eight or nine million dollars. Whether we like it or not, that's probably what's going to happen. But that's fine because Ender hitting two fourteen and rolling over the ball to second every chance he gets is still better than Pache striking out. And you are going to lose. Um, you are going to lose a little bit of the defense considering Ender can't do what he used to do, but you got to kind of take what you can get at this point. And with not far out of the, uh, not far out of the division race. So the fact that this team is 500 with all of the bad luck and all the injuries is kind of a miracle. So now you're ideally going to get the scenario where the rest of the lineup continues their ascent and keeps doing what they have been doing. And then Ender is able to step in and kind of just give that one little bump at the bottom part of the lineup. A lot has been made about uh, Mike Petriello talked last night on the broadcast about, you know, Cunha likes batting leadoff. So you should bat him leadoff and he's, he's the catalyst. But at the same time, this is one of the top five hitters in all of baseball and he's never hitting with guys on base. So as Depending on how you architect things, I know Riley moved up to fifth. Contreras, Swanson, and either Enciarte or Heredia is going to be six, seven, eight, depending on how you want to make that up. If you can get anything going right there, Ronald is always a threat to go deep or hit one into the gap and drive drive home a run. So, uh, however they choose to to go down that route, I mean, it's also entirely possible they could try and swing some type of trade um, if they don't feel like any of the in house options are suitable. So. The team is getting there, and it's hopefully the 
wave one of injuries and bad luck is complete and we'll actually get to just kind of exist for a minute and watch some no-nonsense baseball games. Just crossing my fingers. That's all I really want. That's all I really want. Speaking of what else I want, I've been waiting a long time. We've been waiting over a year to be able to do an actual minor league segment. We are going to do that. But before we do, today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the number one y'all thought you weren't going to get one. Bet Online is the number one place to go for any and all online sports wagers uh, across any sport that you can possibly think of, any weird line you can think of. You're going to find it on Bet Online. All you got to do is use the promo code uh, Armchair. You're going to get a nice little deposit match when you make that initial deposit. You're going to be able to find anything. Maybe you want to now all of a sudden say that the Braves are going to win the division. You can still bet that line. Maybe you've got something crazy that you think is a perfect bet and you don't see it on there. You can also contact the Bet Online crew. And if it's a good line, they'll make one for you. It's a fantastic place. You don't want to miss it. Go to betonline.ag, promo code armchair today. Today's episode is also brought to you by a new friend of the program. Kansas City Steaks. You work hard, you definitely play hard. So treat yourself and stock up for summer barbecues with Kansas City Steak Company. Steaks are really hard to come by right now. No worries. Go to uh, go to KansasCitySteaks.com and if you use our promo code, you're going to get 10% off your order and free shipping. All you got to do is the promo code SD as in Short Dylan at checkout from classic steak cuts, USDA prime, American style Kobe, hard to find specialty cuts and more. Kansas city steaks has everything you can possibly need to fire up the grill. And yes, once my package of Kansas city steaks arrives, I will be giving you guys a direct review of these delicious meats. They make it so easy. All you got to do is order each order from Kansas city steaks. They're, they're flash frozen. They're delivered directly to your home. Satisfaction is guaranteed or your money back. Just imagine relaxing in the backyard. Maybe you got some nice summer weather coming in with your family sitting out there on the porch with you, enjoying steakhouse quality meals right from home with Kansas City Steaks. Try their butter tender filet mignon, Kansas City strips, juicy steak burgers, all beef jumbo hot dogs, and even complete meal combos. Bring the steakhouse to your house this summer with Kansas City Steaks. Again, go to kansascitysteaks.com and get 10% off of your order with free shipping with the code SD at checkout. That's kansascitysteaks.com, promo code SD. All right, I don't know about you, but that sounds freaking delicious. You know what else sounds awesome right now? Talking some prospects. I was just thinking we we're gonna do a locker room while we eat our Kansas City steaks. Oh, for sure. We're just yeah, it's gonna be delicious. So yeah, man, for the first time since uh, since September of 2019, we got some minor league baseball going on, and we spent so much time during the rebuild. I mean, that it was all we had. You know, you look at the lineup now. And you see where it's Acuna and Albies and Swanson and Riley and Contreras and Pache and Anoa. And, like, the whole team, top to bottom, it's like all of these guys were products of the rebuild. And I have a very soft spot for minor league baseball. In no small part to the fact that Cool Ray Field is actually closer to me than Truist Park. So I tend to go to Cool Ray more. Um, it's, it's so great to see back. There were so many prospects that got hosed last year and lost years of development. And even early in the Brave season, you're starting to see a couple guys that are uh, turning heads a little bit. It seems like everybody in the minors is turning heads. Orlando Arcia. I mean, I get that the Braves are holding him. Apparently, the Braves are holding him down for to, like, service time manipulation that he if he's brought up after june 7th that they gain a year of arbitration i i guess i don't really know but what i do know is that dude is just crushing the ball right now I believe he's got five homers like the first week of, of gwinnett games just hitting bombs left and right hit a 466 footer yesterday 
uh, on on a Sunday. Um, for those of you that didn't realize, we're recording on a Monday. Um, but yeah, he he's been absolutely incredible. Uh, Camargo's gone deep a couple times already. Uh, basically, every level of the minor leagues, Braves prospects are absolutely ripping homers. Just crushing the ball. Maybe they still have some old 2019 baseballs they get they gotta get out of circulation. But all I know is right now the minor leagues the minor league setups for the Braves have been performing very, very well. Basically all the guys that, that you want to know, Tucker Davidson had a really, really good uh, first start. Vasil de la Cruz uh, debuted out of the bullpen. Chris Martin's had some time down there. Bryce Wilson was electric in his start for Gwinnett. The first start he made in Gwinnett since 2019 or 2018 maybe. Uh, first start he made there in a while, long enough for him to come into full Keeney Powers mode. Um, Shea Langoliers has a couple bombs already. And you're starting to hear some new names. Jared Schuster um, had some good and some bad in his debut. Michael Harris has been doing Michael Harris things. Um, but you heard about a new guy on the Twitter sphere yesterday. And this is a guy that I'm not ashamed to say. Even I had never heard this game. Rodery Munoz came out firing 98-99. Uh, looks a lot like Asil De La Cruz, by the way, in his delivery. It's another name that we're all going to be watching very closely. And for a lot of people, this was the first time that these a lot of uh, this is the first time that any of the 2020 class really got to make their pro debut. So it's nice to see them. Um, my real question before we dig into too deep on anyone in particular was: Was there anybody that you were surprised where they were placed, like level wise? You know, I was surprised that Trey Harris was in Mississippi. I figured he would have been in Gwinnett, but then when you see, Gwinnett seems really engineered, like, they're not really doing the, we're going to keep our top prospects that are almost ready here. I mean, you've got Waters and a couple of pitchers there, but, like, they are basically just a a couple of major league cast-offs to where when they call somebody up, they're not just plugging in a random prospect. Like, they've got your Yolmer Sanchez, you've, you've got Orlando Arcia, you've got... Um, Philip Irvin, you know, you've got guys that have, have logged meaningful time in the big leagues. So, uh, I suppose that he just kind of got squeezed out of the, uh, out of the triple A picture. I don't think it'll be long till he's there. Um, and I also, truthfully, I was kind of surprised that, uh, Bryce Ball was only in high A. I figured that they would have been a little more aggressive with him and, uh, and put him in double A. I mean, (laughs) people love to, uh, kind of give me what for about my thoughts on Bryce Ball. I think he's a great prospect. I just think that he's he's a mite overhyped. And if I see one more person saying that Bryce, the Braves are not going to re-sign Freddie Freeman because Bryce Ball is going to take the crown, uh, I'm going to rip what little hair I have left out. Um, but yeah, I figured him being a college guy, being a little bit older, I figured that they would have put him in Mississippi and been kind of aggressive with him. But any of these guys that are subject to performance, I think... Um, you give them similar to the way that the Braves were doing with the castoffs with the bullpen. Like, we're going to give you a month. Let's see what you got. If you really suck, you're gone. And if you're really, really good, we're going to bump you up. What about you? Did you have anybody that you you expected to be elsewhere? Well, Bryce Ball, definitely. I thought that he, I thought he'd be in uh, Mississippi to start. Um, I don't necessarily disagree because it's, it's kind of hard to tell since we can't really gauge uh, exactly how much stock to put into alt-site work. Some teams, obviously garnered a lot of it. Jordan Groshans getting to start at double A is a big indicator that uh, and he was one of the guys who was one of the elite performers in uh, at the all-star or the alt site apparently just according to some Toronto sources. But for the Braves you can kind of see that they might not be judging the alt site work as well as some of us maybe thought they would. So you're seeing basically all the 2020 guys start the level they would have in 2020. 
Uh, I thought Michael Harris would be a guy that would probably start in double A. Um, he started in high A, I believe, but he won't, he won't be there long. He'll move up to double A quickly. Uh, if for no other reason than to get better pitching for him to hit and see how well he, uh, responds to that. Uh, I agree with you on Trey Harris. I think he'll make his way back up to Gwinnett. Um, I don't think he'll get there until Drew Waters is called up. I think Drew's going to get called up at some point this year. Uh, I think Drew's going to go on a big time rampage. We'll talk about him in just a second, but overall, I wasn't really shocked. It just it just looks like Alex's front office is kind of play the slow game with some of these prospects, and that's not necessarily a bad strategy either. Some guys really flourish when you throw them into the fire. Some guys don't. So it's not going to hurt a guy if he has to stay a couple weeks or a month uh, in a lower level than he needs to be at. And it's a nice way to, to boost some confidence in that area, get them to come into a, a promotion with, with a nice track record underneath. And as far as the pitchers go, there's really just not enough levels for all the pitchers right now. So it's like, hey, if you need to pitch, here's a spot that has an opening in the rotation. Here you go. Uh, some guys I'm, I'm going to be excited to track this year a little bit more, um, like, like Nolan Kingham. He's not a not a big time name, not a huge prospect, but he's a guy that did some serious work in 2019. Uh, he's one of those under the radar type of guys. Rodri Munoz, like I mentioned, is a guy that I'm be paying close attention to now. Uh, but overall, I, I think the Braves have their minors separated fairly well enough to where I actually think two or three of the levels may actually have a chance to to contend for minor league championships this year. No, I think so. And and to your point about um, about kind of slow walking guys are a little bit, or the the team not being really aggressive. If when you pay attention to the draft strategy, you've seen, especially in 2019, uh, you saw a lot of project guys. You, you know, guys that you never even heard of, like Stephen Paulini. You know, and and the Bo Phillip pick. You know, I know it was panned at the time, but they did that because it allowed them to. Uh, push some money down to the later rounds and get Vaughn Grissom, get Makai Backstrom, Joey Estes. By the way, by the way, Vaughn Grissom, for anybody asking who the pop-up prospect this year is going to be, Vaughn Grissom is the name you need to write down. Yeah, Vaughn Grissom went to the same high school as Riley Green, uh, who the Tigers picked fifth overall, so there were a ton of scouts that uh, that went in on him. And if you get picked in the 11th round, it's kind of like getting picked in the third or fourth round sometimes um, because that's that's the first round after the um, after the way the finances just kind of get rearranged to, to give the simplest possible explanation. But yeah, Von Grissom is going to be somebody to really keep an eye on this year. And so when you've got all of these different project guys that you know are really good, but take some work, um, you kind of have to slow walk them a little bit. So, you, you know, it'll be two, three years from now and be like, Oh yeah, I forgot. We even took that guy at all. And sometimes it plays to the advantage. You look at a guy like Trey Riley, who, He's still pitching in Rome, but he got he got promoted. And when he when Rome was the high A team in 2019, and Riley was there, he just couldn't find the strike zone. Uh, he wasn't even effectively wild; he was just wild. And still very early in the season, but he's been showing big strikeout numbers so far. And you know he came out of uh, John Logan uh, Community College, like a small, tiny little school. And so he's not used to facing the same level of competition. So the Braves have a lot of faith in their. Um, and their player development department. So some of the guys that have been in the org for two, three years have had a lot of really good tutelage and coaching. This could be the year that you start to see some of those guys really come on. And some of those deeper guys, like I said, Joey Estes, Jared Johnson, uh, Stephen Polini has been um, somebody that I'm really interested in Same ever since here. day one. Very, very yeah. good tools. Very, very raw. But if you're if you're just talking about sheer tools, this is if you were a Connor Lean fan, Stephen Paulini's your guy. 
<laughs> he does have that Connor Lean toolkit. Not to mention, uh, he puts some of his BP videos on uh, Instagram. And the, the dude is jacked. His swing is beautiful. He's got but it's, some but it's, bat speed, boys. He, he does. He really does. It, but it's a question of, once again, he, he was playing at a small high school in Connecticut. So it's going to take – you know, we won't see Stephen Pellini in the big leagues. If he makes it, it'll be 2024, oh, 25, for sure. 26. For sure. You know? He's got a ways to go unless he just – all of a sudden, like that that switch just flips. He's got a lot of people in front of him. Yeah. So for now, I I don't I don't have any necessarily complaints about uh, you know it's it's been a week you know it's a, it's too early to say that so and so shouldn't be this this place or that place. It's all a matter of personal opinion. But uh, I you know I've got my eyes all over Victor Vodnik this year. He's been he's been my dude ever since the second his name got announced and uh, showed up in Mississippi, struck out five over four innings. Um, no runs allowed. Bryce Elder, who the Braves took last year in the fifth round out of Texas, uh, they're using him as a starter now. I figured that they would kind of fast track him and use him as a bullpen arm. Uh, he's had two uh, at least decent outings so far. So those are two that I've really got to get an eye on from the from the pitching side for right now. Well, speaking about having your eye on anybody, how about some prospects that you expect to debut this year? Okay, so Trey Harris was the one. I, that uh, I was really expecting to to figure into that mix, not not necessarily as a starter, but he he is your typical fourth outfielder type guy. But I also think friend of the program Justin Dean, who was kind of aggressively placed in Double A. I don't know if his bat is necessarily going to get him to the big leagues, but I think he's as good a candidate to be a postseason pinch runner Terrence Gore type player as anybody in the organization because that dude can fly he can and he's also a pretty good defender too struggled a little mm-hmm. bit in spring training but that's not his mo generally he's a very good defensive center fielder uh obviously i'm gonna say i, th- I think for i think drew waters makes his debut this year for sure um i don't know when it'll be i don't know if it'll be september if it'll be like after after june or july but i think drew honestly and you guys may think that i we've said this before i've had to defend myself from being a drew waters hater uh it's funny how the wheel turns I think Drew is going to have a massive, massive year. I think that uh, all the hype that Michael Harris has been getting uh, is not going to sit very well with Drew and people writing Drew off and saying that, oh, well, now the organization is tired of Drew. That's why that Michael Harris is there. I think I think Drew's going to have a big-time, big-time season. Um, I also won't be shocked. Now, I'm a little – it's not leaning in that direction right now since Vodnik starting, but I think you could see Vodnik. I think if the Braves need – a reliever. Vodnik has premium stuff and, and fits perfectly in a bullpen. Ultimately, I think that's where he'll he'll end up long term. Uh, obviously, you're going to keep him as a starter forever uh, as long as possible. One, it increases his trade value. Two, if he manages to continue doing this, then you just hit a, a, a diamond, same way they did with Waskar Inua. But uh, I, I do think that uh, I would not be shocked to see Vodnik make his debut. Also, William Woods. I think William Woods will get up here at some point this season, too. See, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him because he was he was def, de, uh, behind the development curve, and then he kind of went viral because he was posting videos of himself throwing 99 with movement. and But before, he just he wasn't aggressively placed. And I, I guess that he's still in rookie ball or he's still working through an injury right now, but... I honestly, I don't know whether what you said is a ridiculous statement or not, because I could, I could 
make a case for that being preposterous, but also being like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he looked it's really good during spring training. He's yeah. a reliever, which obviously, like, reliever prospects, they don't abide by the same rules as everybody else. Like, you could tell me that it takes two years for Woods to get up there, or you could tell me that he gets called up uh, in two days. And I'd be like, all right, he's a reliever. I mean, if with a reliever, if there's one or two pitches that you see that pop, like William Woods throwing 99 uh, and having movement on that 99, well, what that means is he can do it. He can he can be successful with that. It doesn't have to be for a long time. It doesn't have to be for more than an inning. But he can be successful. Uh, I also I should mention I think Casey Kalich will get in this year too. Um, I think that that's that's probably the guy uh, along with that. But same thing with Vodnik. If they decide to move Vodnik to a reliever, I could see it taking another year, or I could see him getting caught up the very next day. I mean, relievers are very weird. They're like wide receivers in football. They're just kind of different. Good point and. Just based on the depth chart, and and I I do not disagree with you on Vodnik at all. I think long-term he could be a starter, but the thing that always is going to pester him until the day he retires is, is he undersized? He's your J.B. Bukowskis. He's six feet tall. Tyler he, he doesn't. Yeah, he and the Braves, the Braves certainly have a type, you know, and they, they love guys. They, they are not scared of guys that are that are undersized and they really tend to like guys that have one dominant pitch and they feel like they could teach, teach everybody the rest. Like I was saying before, they have a lot of faith in their, in their uh, player development department. Um, But strictly from a a depth chart perspective, I think it'll obviously depend on green Martin Jackson and all the other righties in the bullpen. But Daisbell Hernandez is in triple a now. I can't believe I didn't even mention Daisbell. But but I mean he's he's been he's so been so sneaky, uh, creeping up the creeping up the lists and creeping up the the Braves farm system. I mean the last time we saw him he was in AAA. This is what happens when you have an entire year that's just lost. You know it's like uh, where was he? How many strike? I, I can't remember. Is this guy uh, is his out pitch a changeup or is it a splitter? Man, it's been so long since I thought about this stuff. I can't remember. I mean it's like I'm just having so much fun. You know just looking through games, you know, it went from there was no minor league baseball at all to, hey, there's four additional Braves games on today that I can pour myself into. Friday night when the Braves were getting just hammered by Philadelphia, I was just so happy to check the Rome Braves score. It's great. It gives you something else to focus on when things aren't going good in the big city. Absolutely. And uh, we do got to end the show soon. So final talking point before we end the show for this week, I do want to mention they brought this up. Mike Petriello brought this up on the StatCast broadcast last night, which, by the way, the StatCast broadcast, aside from the fact that for guys like like me and you, Doc, who love the, the advanced stats anyway, it's just so refreshing to hear a broadcast crew that actually likes baseball. That like You could tell me that they were talking normal, traditional stats or whatever. As long as they like the game, then it's a good broadcast. It's such a marked difference going from John Smoltz, who literally – the only thing, and this is one of the, like on Saturday night, the only thing, and I was listening for this, the single only thing that John Smoltz said that he actually liked about baseball was the extra innings rule. That was the literal only thing. Everything he else, everything else that he talked about, he hated from every single rule to the way baseball is played to the way pitchers throw, everything. Hated all of it. And then you get the StatCast broadcast on Sunday night, and it's these guys like, man, I love everything. I just love baseball. Let's take a look at the exit velos. Let's take a look at the distance. Let's talk about the ball. I mean, it's, it's just such a refreshing broadcast, and it did make me kind of think about the baseball a little bit and how baseball might have unwittingly created the perfect baseball. 
Go on. Elaborate on what you mean, Dylan Short. So, for certain sets of fans, too many home runs is a bad thing. Like, oh, well, there's not enough balls in play. They're just hitting balls out. Three true outcomes, blah, blah, blah. Pitchers don't know how to pitch. So you kind of overcorrect, and it's now it's, oh, man, there's no hitters going left and right. Wade Miley throws a no-hitter. What's going on here? Hitters don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. I just think that it's almost on the same rule as a compromise. When you know you've hit the sweet spot is when everybody is complaining. Uh, and, And for this baseball in particular, you are seeing some very interesting numbers. Things like the highest exit velocities have come this year. Like the exit velocities are up across the board right now, but the ball isn't flying as far as it was in 2019 or even in 2020. Now, a lot of that would be because they raised the seams on the baseball, which means that pitchers can't really complain because now their breaking pitches are going to get more movement because that's going to be more friction in the air. What that means is when the hitter connects with it, there's more drag on that baseball because of the seams and it might mean that they'll still reach that peak velocity higher but they're not going to have the same like it's not going to spin as hard for as long because those seams are going to drag the air and for me that just seems perfect so you're still getting a lot of home runs you're still getting that's basically how every run in baseball is basically still scored it's through the home run Uh, you're getting a tons of of home runs but pitchers are still pitchers are, are performing exceptionally well across the board in major league baseball doesn't seem like it if you're a braves fan but a lot of pitchers are performing extremely extremely well and it's probably one of the reasons why wasker Eno's slider has been so elite this year because the seams being raised a little bit gives pitchers a better feel now you can say there's more hit by pitches than ever but that's just kind of the mark of today's game. When you throw 100 and you don't really know where it's going, that's kind of what happens. Uh, we're not going to have time today to talk about what I think is the best rule change that could possibly happen. I'm sure we'll still have time to talk about it on next week's episode. But overall, I think that this baseball they've got right now, I'm, I'm, I really like it. I know some people are, are one way or the other, like, oh, not enough balls in play, uh, too many bad pitchers are pitching too well, whatever. I actually kind of like it. The, the pitchers can't really complain because pitchers that are not elite pitchers are throwing no hitters, uh, and, and, and you can see your breaking stuff move without having to. Now, supposedly they're cracking down on the use of substances, but pitchers are always going to get around that. Um, but hitters are still able to hit the ball as hard as they've ever hit it before. Maybe it doesn't have the exact same amount of lift. It's about five about five feet of less flight, really. Um, but doesn't stop doesn't stop Ronald Acuna from hitting 470 foot shots. Doesn't stop Nelson Cruz from hitting 460 foot bombs. I mean, it, it it seems to be working out really well for both parties. Whenever I, I found it really interesting that with all of the evidence that was pointing to in 2019, they certainly changed the ball. And they're like, nope, we didn't do anything. We, our hands are clean. And then this year going into the season, they're like, oh yeah, we definitely tinkered with the ball. Trust us, it's going to be different, you know? And now, you know, there there has been a behind-the-scenes initiative to kind of align baseball with where people's minds are in 2021. People are much more instant gratification. People don't want... What did I say to you before the show? I said baseball is like a sport of commas, and they're trying to turn it into a sport of exclamation points, which is fine. You know, everybody likes the home runs. Everybody likes no-hitters. Everybody likes strikeouts. And nobody doesn't like those things, you know? So if they found a way to say, all right, how many people are saying, well, strikeouts don't matter and neither does batting average. So if you can jack up strikeouts, you can 
have more power at the expense of batting average. You get more exclamation points. You've got Christian Pache hitting grand slams. You got Wade Miley throwing no hitters. Like improbable things are going to happen. And I just I they've it's like they specifically were engineering it for this exact purpose. And you know, we'll see if that holds up once the weather gets a little bit warmer and the sample size increases. But yeah, it's been it has been very interesting. And you make a great point about Anoa too. I mean, for somebody that lives and dies by his slider, having a ball that's going to have even more movement, I mean, he already throws 99. He doesn't need a lot of help, but that's probably part of the reason why he's been one of the top 10 pitchers in the National League this year. Absolutely, and I'm here for it. I know you guys are here for it too. I'm sure we'll, that's something that we're going to keep an eye on throughout the rest of the season, uh, as well as watching the Braves look to finally go on a big major run. Hopefully by this time next week, we're talking about a team in first place in the division. Uh, Doc, thank you as always for joining me. And everybody out there, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode and you are able to enjoy this 45 minutes of gloriousness. And we will be back next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Michael wants to party all the time.